to the Kane and Rince podcast, volume 6, issue 264. Uncharted 4, A Thief's End. You can play along with us. Kane and Rince, volume 6, includes the following upcoming shows. Diablo 3, Reaper of Souls. Then it's Ninja Gaiden, that's the Xbox One from the early mid-2000s. And it's uh, follow-ups, but not the sequel, if you get me. After that, it's post-apocalyptic fun with Mad Max then flashback and then perfect dark you can find the entire schedule up to and including podcast issue 300 at canarince.com where you can also find things like articles features reviews videos and links to our forum facebook page youtube channel other community bits and bobs and if you enjoy what we do as we always tell you you can support us via our patreon which is uh, at patreon.com slash cane and rinse and you can donate a dollar a month or more if you wish and everything gets plowed back into the making of the podcasts i say podcasts because we have another as well that's the music podcast sound of play you can also buy sound of play and cane and rinse merchandise t-shirts and bags at shop.spreadshirt.co.uk slash cane and rinse and there's a, uh, a one click link that's the word on the front page now to get to that and the patreon uh, on the home page at canarince.com so uh, you can find everything there but as always we do ask that you review and rate the podcast if you haven't already uh, on itunes or whatever other platform or just to your friends or other gaming folks that you know uh, and we thank you for that reviews and ratings help us uh, as well as subscriptions so joining me, Leon Cox, in issue 264 are Joshua Garrity. Hello there. Sean O'Brien. Hello, hello. And Tony Atkins. Hello. So, Tony, you and I got together at the end of last year and we put this schedule together. And I can't remember why in particular we chose Uncharted 4 just because we hadn't done it yet. We wanted to play it. Uh, we had done the other three Uncharted games. You can find those at canarince.com or on iTunes, uh, older podcasts, the original PS3 trilogy. Uh, I went back and played the HD versions by Bluepoint on PS4 over the holidays in in a kind of in a in a row in a in a in a rush. It was uh, I I enjoyed myself and uh, they're good versions. Well, they're Bluepoint, so yeah. Um, the first yes. the first <laughs> time I tried to play them, uh, I had a crash bug with uh, with the the sort of auto save system, which follows on from the Last of Us uh, auto save system, which had some problems when that first came out as well. But uh, when I played it through this time, it all was fine, and yeah, I think if I now went back to those uh, games, ha- having played Uncharted 4, the graphics might look a little older than they did. But actually playing through those games on PS4, they still look very attractive to me, even though they sort of betrayed their their age in some ways. So obviously mm. a Naughty Dog game with Sony Computer Entertainment being the publisher. This is the first game without a- uh, Amy Hennig on the writing team. The directors are Bruce Straley and Neil Druckmann as per The Last of Us. Uh, directors and writers i should say uh, amy hennig is still credited uh gratitude to her and her contributions to the franchise which i think we can agree were obviously pretty extensive uh and she didn't direct the uh, the handheld vita game golden abyss which was written and directed by john garvin uh, and we didn't do a specific podcast for that one either uh, we only kind of glossed past it on one of our previous shows so mm-hmm. golden abyss fans 
you're going to have to keep campaigning if you want a full-blown <laughs> cane and rinse on on that one. Uh, Henry Jackman is now the composer as well, so another fairly major change. The first Uncharted game in the series, other than, again, I think uh, Golden Abyss, not to include Greg, uh, Greg Edmondson as the main composer, uh, doesn't feature the original Nate's theme on the main menu. Uh, you do mm. hear it when you go into the multiplayer, though. Uh, there is a new version of Nate's theme by Henry Jackman, and a few pieces of the original score are mixed in in with the new kind of more piratey feeling mm-hmm. uh, score. So the game was released worldwide everywhere on May the 10th, 2016, only on PlayStation 4. And the reviews were extremely positive. On average, 92.71% from 73 reviews. It won a whole slew of awards that I won't list, but uh, at the time of recording, we've literally just had the gaming BAFTAs here uh, in the UK and Uncharted 4 won several, I think four, uh, including the kind of overall best game gong at the BAFTAs, which is kind of a big deal. I think it was Goldeneye the first one to win it 20 years ago, and uh, and, and that's uh, that's still you know considered as uh, esteem from the industry uh we now like to look at user ratings because sometimes <coughs> there can be a bit of a differential between what the <coughs> critics said at the time and what people feel about the game looking at push square which is a playstation centric site uh it has a user rating of 9.1 so just slightly lower than the critic critical consensus uh, but that's only from 38 reviews on imdb however there are 8000 odd uh, user ratings where the game has a 9.7 kind of approval um, I suppose that kind of ties in with the fact that maybe this is a cinematic kind of experience and that's a cinema centric kind of site still crazy high yeah, that's very high that, that's, that, that's well so that almost an average of 10 obviously it's 9.7 but the, the amount of that must have been to bring that down point three. <laughs> for even mark is no yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so generally people like it, but I definitely, and we will talk about this and we'll hear from our community as always, definitely not everyone was in love with this game despite the acclaim, despite the awards, despite those ratings. Uh, For instance, our very own Darren Gargett, who is not on this podcast, did not really enjoy his time with Uncharted 4 at all. He found it very boring Um, and we've certainly had some other feedback to that end. So Uh, regardless, the game sold the best so far in the Uncharted series, uh, which I guess is as much as anything to do with the fact that the ps4 has been a massive success compared to the ps3 at similar stage in its life where uncharted 2 probably would have sold uh Mm. nearly 9 million copies had the ps3 been quite as big as it ended up being or how or as big as the ps4 is now uh but yeah biggest biggest selling game in the series and um and presumably that figure from vg charts thank you vg charts uh it doesn't normally include digital sales either which will have been a a a more significant number than in the past as well so you've got that to consider Mm. uh I'd say this is the longest game in the series to beat yeah, as well sure. by, by default, uh, by some distance. Yeah. Uh, having replayed the, the, the old trilogy, uh, I think each one was taking me kind of seven to nine hours. And this one, uh, according to how long to beat, uh, averages 15 hours. And if you want to complete, completionist it, terrible grammar, uh, <laughs> you're looking at the best part of 30 hours. But that probably doesn't include like going back through it on uh, crushing difficulty because yeah. like you're going to be adding tons and tons of time to your to your playthrough because uh, crushing does what it says on the tin uh, and it's something I generally avoid. But um, yeah, uh, so our histories with the game it's it, th- this is very new for us. Uh, there probably isn't that much to say. So in hmm. brief, uh, Sean, did you day one this? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Uncharted was my favorite series to come out of that generation. So, um, yeah, I was I was very excited for Uncharted Four. Not um, <laughs> as much as I originally was when they first announced it, just because of all the the stuff that happened um, during development. That we don't obviously we don't know exactly all that happened, but key members changed. Um, yeah, and that just that just you know when you, when the main uh, drive behind it like Amy Hennig uh, disappeared or not disappeared left the company um, <laughs> you know that that just that just left some concern for me so I um, I went into it a little bit skeptical uh, just because I was worried that here comes the last of us guys who who of course worked on the series beforehand but yeah I was worried it was gonna be a bit more um, uh, serious I guess a little too serious for me and mm. Uh, we'll we'll find out if I uh, hmm. if that fell through. Yeah. Right? So. I'll be interested. We're going to talk about the story and and related matters sure, first yeah. uh, because I think in some ways that's perhaps the, the the thing that demands talking about ahead of the gameplay. But mm. uh, that's an issue unto itself. Josh, did you uh, day one it? Um, not so much day one, but pretty close to release. Um, I picked up Uncharted 4, and uh, I played the beginning section of it, kind of up to um, when the characters get to Madagascar, and then just kind of fell off it um, for whatever reason. I wasn't um, having a particularly bad time, but um, I think there were games coming out at the time that were just... Pulling me towards them uh, with greater force, and and uh, my attention drifted, and yeah, and then I picked up where I left off uh, for the podcast, and yeah, that's it really. Okay, don't Tony, how about you? Um, Uncharted Two, in, in particular, was my favourite game. Was it two thousand and nine? Um, so yes. you know, I, I certainly am a massive fan of, of the series, and yeah, each one. Obviously, we've done a whole series of podcasts on, so you can go back there. But you know, certainly uh, loved one and two. Um, three, I felt was a bit of an offbeat. Um, so because of that, no, I didn't jump into four straight away, which is odd to say because it's a series I do really like, even if I think three was a bit of a misstep. Um, and no, I didn't jump on that, and I'm not sure why that was. Um, in fact, this is one of the reasons when we put this up for um, being this, this season of podcasts, um, was that when we kind of looked at it, we realised that actually when we kind of put the, the feelers out there, a lot of the team hadn't actually played Uncharted 4 at this point, which seemed really odd to us as well, because mm. it's a massive game. Um, I mean, obviously sold very well. The critics, you know, they're very, very highly rated. So it seemed very odd that, I think Sean was there saying, yes, I played it and completed it. And everyone else, bar I think maybe apart from Darren saying, no, I hadn't actually played it yet. Yeah. And I think that was quite a surprise to, to all of us that, you know, this had kind of fallen behind the wayscope because it was a big game. So um, it, it definitely needed to be included in, in this current run. And um, I used it as a perfect excuse to actually say, no, I really should play this um, purely because, you know, I... I there's no reason for me not to um and i played it this month for the uh for the podcast so you know fairly new uh yeah similarly uh i did i didn't get it quite at launch uh, i waited until you know i did the usual clever thing of waiting until it dropped in price a little bit before buying it and then not playing it and then realizing that i could have waited until it plummeted <laughs> in price a lot further before yeah. playing it yeah. uh classic classic style but um yeah I, I waited until it dropped to like 35 pound from its launch price of you know better part of 50 quid more on digital um 
you know got it feeling very uh you know smug oh i only paid 35 quid for this but of course yeah since then it's been on psn <laughs> sales for like 17 pound or whatever uh yes you can get this game often quite uh, uh, for quite decent value for money unless you hate it in which case like everything it's not good value for money at all uh I, yeah and i, I, I was sorry, saying I, from, from my point of view, i had to say i I think I kind of lucked out a little bit as well because in in between waiting for this game, I've managed to upgrade the entirety of my system to like you know, a nice four K system and all the patches <laughs> yeah. and HDR yeah. updates and all the all the extra bells and whistles have now have now been released. So I really feel like I, I've actually played yeah. the absolute very best version of right. what I could have yep. done with this game. So in some respects, you know, I'm I, I was glad I ended up waiting a little bit of time because <laughs> you know I would have only wanted to play for it again with all the bells and whistles turned on. But I, I'll talk a bit a bit more about that later. Yeah, I, yeah, I wanted to talk about those uh, those aspects on the technical side, uh, or the aesthetic and technical side, when we talk about the uh, the graphics, particularly. Uh, yeah, um, so I just played it. I started in January, then uh, put it to side for a little while while I was finishing some other stuff for the show, and then came back to it and yeah, played it in fairly short order. In the end, the the, the lion's share of it finished it last week, some point, and since then I've been dabbling in the multiplayer just so we can have a little conversation about that without any real expertise on my part. But I don't know uh, if that extends throughout the team. I suspect mm. uh, we'll come to it later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that story then. Um, spoiler warning. Obviously, at this point, as always on Kane and Rince, uh, everything's on the table. We can talk about any aspects of the story. So if you haven't played Uncharted 4 yet and you have any investment in the characters at all, I would recommend that you play the game before continuing to listen. Uh, this is the fourth part of a trilogy. Um, and uh, I don't know if there was... I, I, re- I See, we talked about Uncharted 3 and we can't go over that ground because, because right. time and, and whatever... I do understand that a lot of people felt that it was slightly disappointing or in Tony's words, a misstep after two. (laughs) Having Mm -hmm. replayed it again now, I still like that game and I still can't really put my finger on why I don't think it's quite as special as its predecessor. I just think it's it's just kind of settings and characters and things. I don't think like there's a, there's a massive drop off in quality in, in Mm -hmm. my opinion. It's just, it doesn't quite have that same, you know, that X factor that, Th- those of us who try to critique things for a living are trying to actually put our fingers on um going back to it yeah I, I i had a good time playing through it again and and it doesn't really end in a way that says right that is the end of the uncharted series right, but on yeah. the on the same by the same token when uncharted 4 was announced i do remember kind of thinking oh really do you need well i mean obviously (laughs) i suppose (laughs) well of course yeah and i loved i love the last of us i'm definitely in the very pro the last of us camp in terms of storytelling and gameplay i thoroughly enjoyed the game i played it through more than once and like my feeling towards the uncharted games is that they are fun romps i don't Mm -hmm. think they're like in terms of video game like ludology or or level design or or, um or pure mechanics i don't think they kind of they 
they uh, set benchmarks in any of those areas. I think maybe they do in um, in terms of you know zingy fun and and maybe sometimes scripting and and characterization and stuff like that. But all the other stuff to me is like so competent and solid that it, it it's like it, they're greater than some of their parts. I suspect I said some of this stuff on the um, <laughs> on on the previous podcasts. Basically, I like them. I really like them, but I don't love them. They're not games that I would you know sell my soul to continue playing as i would with certain games that i've probably banged on about this a lot mm. so uncharted 4 i was like oh okay cool all right we'll see but i wasn't super excited for it and my feelings about the story are that um sort of bringing the the long lost assumed dead brother out of the woodwork and the nate's now settled down thing it feels like it was it feels like an addendum in some ways at the start anyway i think as it goes through for me uh it it kind of earns its uh it's earns earns its right to be a part of the of the nathan drake mythos and by the end i was personally i was moved by the ending by the epilogue mm, yeah. uh, and and i did feel that it was appropriate and fitting albeit a little schmaltzy and a little predictable um i actually because of because of that writing and the acting and and dare I say, even the technical side, because uh, actually spending time with these people because of the animation, mm-hmm. there's been a lot of talk about animation recently with the, the release <laughs> of, of Mass Effect Andromeda and how it can actually affect your your um, your engagement with characters, because if, if they're doing, you know, wacky, uncanny sure, valley yeah. faces, you're actually going, why well, don't buy this? Whereas, mm-hmm. whereas Nate and Elena and Sully etc. Uh, I found it quite easy to, to get on board with them. So so overall, I don't feel it was a, a necessary story, but now I've experienced it and and gone through it. I, I liked I like the piratey theme very much. I like the fact that this was the first game without uh, a supernatural element or an implied <laughs> supernatural element, because I think that was often a weakness of the of the predecessors. Um, and I think, well, it certainly, if you, <laughs> I think it did a better job of being a fourth part than say Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> well, that's a low bar. <laughs> yeah, it is a low bar. It's a very low bar. Um, for me, I, I like like you, Leon. I kind of went into this thinking, do, "Do we really need more Uncharted?" And especially after The Last of Us, I was kind of uh, kind of of the opinion that I'd rather Naughty Dog do something completely different. Like they've really shown that they can, you know, tonal, tonally change it up and and explore new territory. And it felt like Uncharted was just kind of safe for them at that point. Uh, creatively but i i have to say like uncharted 4 really caught me off guard in terms of uh not only um kind of the character stuff but kind of the elegance of some of the the, the storytelling like we the pirate element is i think is a better um integration of the historical um mm. side of this series than at any other point <sighs> Um, in uh, you know, in Uncharted one, two, or three, because mm-hmm. it's it's very specifically meant to be a reflection of Nate and his brother, and this kind of obsession with treasure mm. being something that ultimately destroys you and everything that you've built, and yeah. that actually kind of maybe not consciously but subconsciously affecting Nathan Drake and and looking at the ruin of the pirate paradise and thinking look I've got this 
beauty, you know, lovely relationship with my wife, and I'm risking it all for what? Like gold and silver? Like this? This isn't worth it. And just the 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 decision, like right towards the end, where his brother is going, no, come on, guys, we've got this last chance to go after this treasure. And mm-hmm. then Nathan goes, you know what? No, like. Let's go home. Yeah, his and brother looks felt- like an utter fool at that point, doesn't it? You yeah. can just see, you just see the desperation in his face. You're like, what? What are you doing? Just leave yeah. the island now. Yeah, and and it and it felt like a decision, a, a story decision from a completely different series. Like, and mm-hmm. I f- and I think you know some of the complaints I've, I've seen from this guy, and I think Sean is going to represent some <laughs> of these complaints. Is that in some ways this isn't what people want from an Uncharted game? But for me, having come off Uncharted Three, which felt like it was trying really hard, and and at some point successfully, and at some points less successfully, to kind of. Um, rediscover what made Uncharted 2 so special it was kind of thrilling to experience a game that absolutely knew what people loved about Uncharted but kind of tried to push it in a slightly different direction and be a bit more introspective and kind of questioning you know the choices Nathan Drake has made throughout the series and using his brother as a mirror um, against that character and uh, I just, I adore all of the scenes of Elena Fisher in this game. I just, this Uncharted 4 really solidified for me how much I care about Nathan and Elena Fisher's relationship. I think if if there's one consistent thing this that I've loved about the series from the first game all the way to this one is how they kind of grow and evolve that relationship between those two characters. And there are moments where Elena Fisher had me in absolute tears. Just the con- like the back and forth between them as they're kind of trying as you know Elena rescues Nathan Drake and then they kind of like trying to sort out their feelings about the situation as they're kind of going <laughs> mm. towards his brother and all of that stuff felt the writing felt mature and out you know really it felt like somebody who had actually been in a long-term relationship was writing this dialogue it didn't feel like a relationship um, between two teenagers who are just you know starting out and discovering love this is a relationship between two adults who have been together for a really long time struggling with um, aspects of each other's personality and it, it's just really touching and i think i wholeheartedly agree with you there josh but there is some caveats, and I, and I don't want to fall, probably fall on the side of... Uh, well, I might fall on the side of Sean. I, I'm not sure here, but I, I'm probably going to be somewhere in the middle here. Um, I For all of that, and I think the, you know, the relationship with Elena and um, Nate is really strong, but I also think that's some in some regards where the story falls down a little bit because their relationship is portrayed so strongly. His actions in the game don't really then correspond to... Yeah who they are yeah. as relationships or who they are as people. So like before, you know, the, the roller coaster ride and we've always, I mean, I think uncharted more so than any other game of modern history anyway, has always had that joke of they're such lovable characters, but really, if you look at it, like the death toll that, you know, Nate mm-hmm. has caused throughout the history is remarkably and, you know, terrifying, but you know, he's a lucky guy, you know, charming guy. So that's kind of cool. 
And I've always been okay with that. But actually here, where it's a lot more of a grown-up take, and this is much better in the, in the start of the game, when actually you're kind of infiltrating or you're escaping you know, the prison scene. Yeah. All that stuff kind of makes sense. There's con... con um, blah, blah context context to the situations you're finding then like when you're stealing um the cross from the mansion yeah, this is the i like worst. that stuff because there's oh, okay. no no well i get to that point like i like that because you're infiltrating something there was no at no point was i feeling like i can i'm gonna fire a gun the moment that that scene broke yeah. into combat yeah. i felt like all the work they'd done within that story to make me like, you know, Nate has given up this life. Like he, do, he's not a murderer. He's he cares about his family. He wants to settle down. Mm-hmm. The moment he pulls the trigger, it's like it was really odd. I had this conversation of characters having grown up conversations, and then like the image of Nate just pulling the pistol out and shooting somebody in the head, and then saying, "But please take my feelings about my wife seriously because I'm a good person." <laughs> Wait while I just murder fifteen other people, but really my wife. And <laughs> it's it was really odd. It's like it it broke that little bit of narrative um, constant with me. And thankfully, and I will say thankfully, it regained it actually two thirds away through the game when it becomes less about the combat and actually more about the relationship and when they get back together and, you know, he's clearly, clearly hurt her. Um, and, you know, that kind of, that feeling of, okay, we need to repair this and we're, we're in a bad situation, but we need to repair this relationship and the brother and stuff. Like, all that stuff as it starts to roll towards the end really actually did get under my skin and I really enjoyed it. But there is definitely that feeling of the roller coaster ride of the funness of the other games has kind of been is kind of mixed up with a kind of more adult serious game. He's no longer a teenager. He's a bit of an adult. And maybe, you know, if, if he was just a bit more responsible and didn't go off on this adventure, I don't, I don't know if Elaine could ever actually, if you looked at what his actions are, ever forgive him because, you know, he's a homicidal maniac. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, my, my cat, I, I do actually agree with the point you're making there. Like I think more, more than any other entry in the series, and I'm going to use that phrase that everyone hates, mm-hmm. but lo- it. it is do guilty it. of Ludo narrative dissonance, <laughs> uh, more so than any, uh, other entry in the series, because with Uncharted 2, it's such like, a an Indiana Jones kind of serial, yeah. you know, romp that the death count is kind of easy to look past. Whereas yeah. with with this, you know, with this game, with the much more serious tone and like really, you know, genuinely trying to hold up a mirror to the character, um, that stuff starts to feel a little bit mm-hmm. silly. That said, um, I think the whole thing, like, I was really worried about the way they were going to handle, um, like, Elena Fisher and, and Nate's uh, relationship early on. Because you have Nate, you know, lying to her at the beginning and. And then you have that brief scene where she returns, you know, returns to the story and she kind of walks off in a huff and you think, oh, this is kind of stuff I've seen before. And, and like, it feels mm-hmm. like the, it, I, I don't feel like ultimately I don't feel like the game is kind of framing her as like the annoying person who's getting in the way of the adventure. Cause like the last third of the game um, they yeah. do a great job of kind of establishing that. Look, I miss this life too. Like um, she, yeah. like several points, she's like, "Yeah, I love the adventure. I love all this stuff." And like she proves her competence. Like she rams these guys with her car, and Drake's like, "Oh, 
yeah, I forgot you're a badass. Um, you're really, really good yeah, at this. That's good. And and it being about like, look, the reason why I'm annoyed is because we we both made this decision. We both made a promise to each other that we would, you know, step away from this life. And the resolution of that arc is not that you know Nathan Drake gives up adventuring entirely and you know elena gives up adventuring entirely is that they find a compromise like they find Mm -hmm. a middle ground that's reasonable that's within the bounds of the law but they still get to exercise that part of who they are and that just that that's so much more meaningful than nathan drake settling down with an office job and having kids he does (laughs) you know settle down and have kids but he's still you know both of them still get to be who they are just within the bounds of you know sanity rather than what they've that that brilliant one line where she she says you know maybe we took it too far the other way and i just that that knowing that okay yeah we needed to settle down for sure but maybe we just you know we Mm. took it to the point where we both had office jobs like this that was too far we need to find the middle ground and you know kind of do the adventuring ship based but under a legal way i like that Yeah, yeah that Okay, so um, <laughs> for me, I'm of two minds, basically, of this whole thing. So I completely agree with both of you that the the execution of the story that they wrote here is very well done, super mature, and you know, just well executed, mostly top to bottom. For me, though, I come to Uncharted to have fun. <laughs> Not to be in a relationship. Like, I don't mean that to sound reductive, but like, <laughs> I, I... Is your fiancé there? <laughs> no. <laughs> Just in the other room, don't say anything. Um, <laughs> no, but like, like uh, the relationship that they that they show here in this game between, really between everybody, but obviously the, the centerpiece is Nate and Elena, um, is like, yeah, it's it's very relatable and you can see all the heartbreak and I felt it sometimes here and there, but like, at very few points throughout the story that I actually have a smile on my face. And I know that that's actually like part of what they're trying to do here. So like Nate's whole thing is that, you know, we shouldn't be having fun doing this. And so like, for me, like uh, Sam ends up being kind of like a cipher when he says stuff like, you know, you can have a little fun while you're doing all this, you know, you can enjoy yourself, try to enjoy all this. And like in my head, I'm going like, yeah, I kind of wish I was, (laughs) um, but I, so I'm Intra- of two minds where like I, I I can appreciate the the craft that went into all the dialogue and the characters, uh, but it's just it's that's not why I'm here, and I don't know it's, it's it but ends it, up being a, a, a pulls at my heart a little bit. It is interesting you, you say that um, because I feel like that's the reason I never played for because I was expecting the same game I'd played three mm-hmm. times previous, and actually mm-hmm. that to me wasn't something I necessarily wanted. Um, you know I. Yeah. I hadn't realised quite how grown up such a, a, a silly, how more mature um, the mm-hmm. story was going to be, and actually that's the thing that I think I probably fell in love with more than than anything. Because actually, if you go back and, and look at Uncharted you know, through the series, you know the stories have always been yeah they've been charming, a little bit kind of you know the characters have always been good, even if they're playing off against each other and they dealt with relationships etc. Within the battlefield, we, you know we've seen that a number of times. Um, and I'm not too sure how much further they could have taken that. I mean, there's so many games out there now that are just roller coaster rides. And in, in fact, actually, 
you know this this game's not a short game and you know within the the game itself the actual you know the core mechanics it's it's like many other uncharted games but it's kind of like the best off they've taken scenes from every single game and you know, yes they've spruced them up and yes they're bigger and better but actually um you know, I think in some regards they're the weakest points of the game. It's just like I enjoyed the more kind of grown-up performances of the main storyline, um, and I think if you want that kind of fun adventure, that stuff's still there. It's just with inside the gameplay, and and I guess maybe for you, Sean, like it's unfortunate the story didn't didn't hit those um, those you know I guess the the funness highs of of the previous titles. But we've had you know certainly one and two which have. have explored that free which has kind of been a mixed bag both those and now we've kind of got that i mean if this is a resolution of of the story then i feel like this would was the right way to go out rather than just like oh this is so much fun sure Mm. let's be done with this (laughs) well yeah i mean like there's there's the the so there's sequence that i think most people say is the most fun would be madagascar especially the second half where it was they showed that at the playstation experience unfortunately i don't know why they gave that scene away but um so the whole thing you know you're, you're like ho- holding onto the rope behind the truck and you're shooting people off there and then you're, you're doing that scene that was in two and three honestly but still even amped up where you're jumping from truck to truck to get to sam mm. to get to the motorcycle and then you're being chased by that uh uh big giant truck while you're on the motorcycle with him and it's such a, like an exhilarating sequence and then the very next scene and this is deliberate on their part so it's not like a fault but it's still like the very next scene is when they're they're coming home and or they're coming back to the hotel and they're all like they're all like rushing off the endorphins and having such a, have had such a great time and then they walk into the hotel and there she is standing there and it That's just so brings good. the whole thing such down and scene. like it's a great scene yeah but like uh, like i was just having so much fun and then you made me feel like garbage for it like and i know that's i know that's deliberate and that's that's clever and great but damn it i want to shoot it's people and jump after. around and have fun like, <laughs> yeah so it's, it's just you still get yeah you still get i mean it, we should say like we'll come on to the the specifics of the gameplay but you do still spend 13 of the 15 hours doing <laughs> yeah. exactly the same stuff as you did in the previous three games like jumping mm. climbing puzzling shooting yeah that the, the like that hasn't changed so um, but yeah, I suppose yeah, it's interesting what you're saying. I, I, it didn't have that effect on me. I, I, mm-hmm. I found it more interesting. But on the subject of of the 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 LD uh, <laughs> stuff, uh, there was a there was a phrase uh, coined by uh, Clint Hocking of uh, uh, when he was talking about Bioshock back in 2007. And Clint mm-hmm. Hocking, we know, has listened to at least one of our podcasts because he because he uh, did a blog post about uh, about it when we when we did uh, Chaos Theory, uh, which is very cool. Um, <laughs> But the thing that I still find, uh, and and this is a problem with modern, a lot of modern uh, sort of popcorn cinema as well, I find, uh, and not just modern either, but uh, but often in in modern stuff, the the problem I have where it comes to ludo narrative dissonance, as much as the the murder, which is the the, the kind of cliche that everyone talks about, mm-hmm. it's it's Nathan Drake himself being basically God um, with. Um, like yes we see that he gets hurt uh in the same way that uh that indiana jones did in in the, yeah. the lucas spielberg movies but he has impossible upper body strength <laughs> impossible course, endurance yeah. impossible resilience impossibly grippy fingertips absurd <laughs> luck yeah like he should die i mean yes most players yeah. will die at multiple stages along the way which obviously would make the story end in a very different fashion and mm. that's ludo narrative dissonance in itself 
uh, and obviously the probably the higher difficulty setting you play on the more times that your story would have would have ended prematurely mm-hmm. but if you do persist and continue through it's kind of those moments as much as I, I I can get a kick out of those those uh set pieces I think the the fact that the story here is a little grittier and a little more serious and a little bit more mature is it 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 plays worse in that regard in 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 that sense in that ludonarrative dissonance sense mm. because you you've got these you know these grown up relationship scenes uh of a you know a kind of in some ways a normal um you know uh early middle age i suppose or late late young um <laughs> aged uh, american couple having mm. these domestic uh situations and conversations very recognizable very relatable uh, but then you know the fact that this guy is basically like Neo out of the Matrix, yeah. uh, and and there and therefore yeah. he's not he's not an all human being. So no matter how many how many times he does the washing up or or plays with his with his ping pong ball gun in in his attic, uh, he is still yeah. It's like you can't be he, he's not Clark Kent. You know it's it's it, it like yeah yeah. yeah. Maybe you should have the two personas or something. Well, I think but, that's um, why I was so fascinated for the, for the you know the early parts of the game where you weren't murdering people, you were kind of exploring, you were just you know investigating areas, you were you know trying to steal something and not necessarily get into a big fire. But still, the climbing, fight. even just okay, one, yes, the sequence, climb, yeah. one sequence, one <laughs> sequence of, of that of that prescriptive. But once again, you, you fall in that dangerous pos- you know, position with any video games, like how realistic, well, yeah. how much totally. realistic. <laughs> but but, it, but it, here it is the juxtaposition, isn't mm-hmm. it? Whereas I feel like in, in say in the Last of Us, they they kind it's a bit closer between the differences people are very fragile and the the um the athletic uh, athleticism that they show there are certainly situations where in real life there's also a lot of murder still there yeah well yeah but it's a slightly different scenario but you you get you get my meaning like as soon as your first uh i mean there's a there's a prologue where it's you know full-on high octane action movie i mean it looks phenomenal Mm -hmm. um but it's completely absurd but even those low-key bits that you're talking about like he gets you know he gets taken out the back of a prison and he's like right can you go and get me something it's like yeah sure and he just even the very first sequence of platforming that he does is beyond human (laughs) capability especially to do it in like 10 minutes like just yeah and and with one little grippy uh rope that (laughs) you have around your waist and you never miss a shot with when you're trying to throw it above you and like i love i I, well i say i love it i i enjoy playing those sequences and Mm -hmm. i know some people don't because they find them very like it's not platforming in a mario sense we talked about this again i know on on uncharted this is this is prescribed it is is basically it's a it's a it's a fancy um QTE, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. they, 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 they've added more paths here. But uh, anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Sorry, that's that's my fault as host. Um, getting back to the story, um, I, I I think I with Neil kind of coming on board and mm-hmm. and him coming you know coming fresh off the Last of Us. I think one of my fears with this with this game was that they were going to go to a really dark place, like with the Last of Us. Now definitely the tone of the game is different from the previous titles but i ne- i never felt like uncharted 4 went you know full on the last of us in terms mm-hmm. of its tone mm-hmm. it's more it's more introspective and kind of sad at points mm-hmm. rather than kind of like like there's no there's no point where a character you know is brutally killed and it's like this massively <laughs> 
horrible moment like you know every well, other chapter you think, of <laughs> you think that your brother dies horribly for yeah there's that and there's yeah, and you, you can die horribly too like in some of the uh <laughs> the trials like you know there's that trial where you have to you put the uh the bucket of water and you have to line up the three crosses and he pulls the uh he pulls the trigger and if you do the uh i just tried it to do it and if you do it all wrong these spikes come out and all like hit nate at the same time and it cuts oh, to wow. black kind of like the last of us would do but that's you know some something it's like, like those that, but uh the tomb raider exactly uh, yeah it's uh, very much like kind that. of thing yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but as to your but, point josh no one in the actual story gets wrecked like that yeah yeah and um and the game ends on what i might i might be you know skipping ahead here but i feel like the game ends on a really happy positive mm-hmm. note like you leave this cast oh, in a sure. really good place um yeah. and I, I was you know the title of the game is you know thief's yeah. end and <laughs> yeah. my worry was oh are they just gonna off nathan drake is this gonna end with elena fisher over you know nathan drake <laughs> drake's yeah. corpse and i'd managed and, to avoid that that the, finding out whether that was or wasn't yeah, the case right here. up until last week so that yeah. was great cool well yeah. done everybody for not spoiling it <laughs> yeah. It's been really weird, sure. actually, you know, being more engaged in the Uncharted conversation. Actually, with, with the game um, receiving its BAFTA this week, there's there's always been mm. a lot more kind of, you know, randomly we hadn't planned that, that this may be the week that it got its BAFTA, but there's been a Don't lot of conversation. tell everyone. I know. It's uh, always uh, part of the plan. We arranged that. Um, but there's been a, a lot of conversation, and the conversation is really odd. I've seen the same people say, like, um, Nate, doesn't deserve Elena. Like, you know, just absolutely doesn't deserve her. For all We've the got things some he correspondence does. coming, yeah, coming up to that end. But yeah. it, equally, then, you know, their opinion on the ending has also been like, well, the ending's too sweet, isn't it? It's like, oh, it's, you know, yeah. it's a bit saccharine. It's, it's, and I'm, I'm like, what, you know, where are they meant to go here? Like, they, <laughs> yeah. they you know, they could have, you know, if you wanted to go dark, you know, they, they could have killed off Elena and, like, left, you know, Nate... Re- Sully. Yeah, again. left Nate really realising that, you know, what a waste of a life he's really done and should have concentrated. Like, th- there's no need for this series in particular to go down that route. And I yeah. actually yeah. think they, they hit the right tonal balance between all those arguments which is you know, I was frustrated with the story in the middle part of the game and felt like you know that Nate just didn't deserve Elena in fact and it makes me wonder whether you know these people did actually get to the end it's like you know I feel like the story by the end actually does take those complaints studies them and although it can only do so much because you know of all the issues we've talked about that the violence within the game a context but I think it does a really good job of taking that, wrapping it up, and, and Josh has already gone over the you know the conversation about Elena being actually quite heartbroken that she wasn't included in this. Not that you know, or there's a great scene where she says, you know, what happens if you got killed and you didn't tell me where you were, and so what? You could have just left me. Was I was I to just believe that you know one day I wasn't good enough? And that's really interesting grown-up writing and i and i think it is grown-up writing and i and i think they've seen some quite harsh criticism saying oh it's all over the place but actually study it against a lot of the other games yeah i think for me the the the, you know the level of performance that naughty dog get out of their actors is incredible and and you can tell that it's not just you know it's not just casting talented voice actors or actors to play these characters because all of these people troy baker uh nolan north they've all been in other stuff where they've kind of delivered good but not great video game performances like performances yeah yeah (laughs) 
Whereas you get them together in one room, and this is kind of the brilliance of what Naughty Dog do is that all the you know vocal stuff is recorded when they do the performance capture. You know, it's all done at the same time, and so the actors are all in the same room and can bounce off of each other, which adds its own you know layer of energy. But on top of that, like the blocking and the direction of these scenes is just. It is of a standard comparable to, you know, television and cinema. And I know people are quick to point out, well, Naughty Dog aren't really that creative in terms of their storytelling. They do kind of follow, uh, you know, well-trodden kind of paths in terms of narrative. You know, apart from, I would argue, apart from the very, very end, The Last of Us is kind of covering you know well-trodden ground in terms of zombie fiction in terms of oh, yeah. apocalypse fiction but it's the it's the execution to, to the point of like sean like finding finding this to be like being told off for having a, a fun in his game like that hmm. scene is so good because when you come bursting through that room like you know that you're in for a, a grilling and you know that mm-hmm. you've hurt yeah. your wife at if, that point if you didn't care about the characters yeah. and the performances and the writing weren't good yeah. sean wouldn't care that he was being one look you, you just yeah. skip it wouldn't you one yeah. look or, or at elena's face it. and you realize you've done almost irreparable damage to your relationship and it turns out okay in the end but it it's just that look of like oh god <laughs> no, oh yeah. no. uh, if i could just bring in a couple of uh, posts from the forum at this point uh, a couple of positive ones from slim who says the relationships of the game are also what make it so special. Drake's domestic life is honestly one of the biggest highlights of the game for me. I was so invested in Elena and Drake. I wanted Drake to stay on the straight and narrow. I also wanted him to help Sam. I was so glad Sully was there for Drake. Even the bad guy's story arc was enjoyable and interesting. While Matten's Y says the story and characters were well written, which in the past years became one of Naughty Dog's strengths. I think Rafe was a likeable villain and I actually felt bad for him during the boss battle, which by the way was the best boss battle in the series by far Uh, and for the first time since Drake's fortune I actually cared about Elena I think Naughty Dog did a good job writing a believable relationship between her and Nathan on the flip side some criticism from uh, regular correspondent Andrew Brown Uh, who says a thief's end is slower and more introspective than the first three entries this got me totally invested for its first two acts even though nate's character arc is a retread of drake's deception will he destroy himself in his pursuit of treasure or embrace a simpler life it was handled in a new and different way episode four a simple life is the high point showing in excruciating detail the life that nate has built with elena and which he will flee in dangers upon the return of his brother sam i was intrigued by the parallels between the drake brothers and the biblical penitent and unrepentant thieves frustrated by nate's lies to elena and actually interested in the conflict with rafe especially since previous uncharted video games have struggled to make the villain a relevant threat to the hero the first two acts of a thief's end tell a great story hitting all the right notes to get me invested and interested in what happens next then nate and sam reach libertalia nate passes out in a cave and all of these great ideas that should have built to an amazing climax are forgotten never to be mentioned again Just before departing for Libertalia, Elena finally confronts Nate for his lies and leaves him, a decision I wholeheartedly agreed with and supported her for. I expected that to stick and for Nate to have to deal with the consequences of that for the rest of the game, increasing tension and conflict between him and Sam. But then Elena shows up on Libertalia, having resolved her conflict almost entirely off screen. We're given an exposition dump on an elevator, which is a lovely scene, admittedly, and then the issue is dropped entirely. This is a glimpse into what I really dislike about A Thief's End. Nathan Drake is a character who never suffers consequences for his actions. 
Nate spends most of the plot lying to his wife, but she forgives him and returns to him. Between Drake's deception and a thief's end, he has completely cut Sully out of his life, but Sully returns when asked with nary a comment or a hurt feeling. Sam is accidentally abandoned in a South American prison for over a decade, but bears his brother no ill will for that. All of these conflicts and many others besides should build to a conflagration in the third act, but none of them do. A thief's end disappoints because it refuses to capitalise on any of these conflicts, substituting character drama for quips and empty pathos. He makes quite a compelling point, yeah. I think, in that. Yeah. Uh, but would I mean, in terms of Sean, your the, the the things you didn't enjoy about the story, mm. if it had gone down that route of the relationships all failing and and ending in conflict, yeah. that would have been even more of a massive yeah, downer for a series a, uh, that was built on 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 popcorn yeah, laughs and it would have been a huge bummer. And I think, but then may, maybe the issue is they shouldn't have dabbled in those areas in the first place, that's, according that's, to Andrew. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. I or wonder you. if that's if that's what. Well, I don't. I'm not as uh, as hard on it as he is. I don't think. But um, sure, I, I think that the when they tried to make it so at least make the relationships so realistic uh between most of these characters it, and that kind of i don't know create some kind of conflict with how the story maybe should have wrapped up because like yeah they make it all realistic and everybody she should not have maybe taken him back i don't know if uh if if she if she was really so betrayed as she said she was uh when he walked into that room um you know, I, I don't. I don't know if they should have in real life if they would have really ended up together. So it it just kind of creates a clash in my head of like, I want them to stay together. I want it to be a happy ending, but you know, they kind of set it, up the idea that it shouldn't. Yeah, it'd it's be interested to to know if Amy Hennig would have written it differently. Yeah, uh, yeah. we'll never know. Yeah. Um, but if she's the you know the main creator of these characters, perhaps she would have a different take on mm-hmm. how that should have could have should have panned out. Yeah. I, I, I take issue with the point that Nathan Drake suffers no consequences. Um, right. Because I think the consequence is more kind of a change of his uh, perspective and, mm-hmm. and ideals yeah. and, and, and values. Because to me, what's, what's symbolic is that the, the old life, his adventure, you know, adventurous life, in the in the form of his brother, um, you know, his brother symbolizes that old life, betrays him and lies to him and mm-hmm. effectively kind of almost destroys this happy existence he has with his wife for, for nothing. What he thought was, yeah. you know, an important, you know, task to save his brother was actually just, you know, his brother was suffering from the same obsession that he was gripped with. Yeah. And that kind of like, oh my god, what am I? Yeah, that realization, the, the look in the mirror, that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, the word there almost though, the fact that almost but not quite. Yeah, but I feel like I, I don't know. I feel like because the the um, the threat has been dangled in front of his eyes, and Elena Fisher, that whole conversation with him when they reunite, and Elena, you know, you know talks about their relationship and what i feel like elena makes it really clear if you do this again it is over like there's no yeah, i almost didn't come back yeah yeah there's no second chance like this but is I, it and i also think there's an empowerment to elena as well i, I think you know it's easy to, to say okay but by traditional standards she should never forgive him and go away and cry in a corner like a you know 
like a person that could do. But equally, she takes that, realizes actually, you know, not necessarily, you know, she needed Nate to go off and do this. So yeah. she realizes that maybe she is actually unhappy. But what what it makes her realize is that actually the relationship they've been um, living is in itself somewhat of a lie because you know clearly Nate needs to go off and has have an adventure within himself. Clearly, she enjoys her work as a photographer, but actually misses uh, this life within herself. And actually, yeah. it's an empowerment offer. I don't, you know, yes, it could be told a little smoother but i don't think it's just a case of well it should just be over i think there's there's a yeah. different way of looking out of every single one of those no, those points I mean, that he's made so on the subject of the voice acting uh, we all agree that the the standard of acting the casting is uh, is as as sensational as usual i think from naughty dog um and that's a huge part of it. But it sounds like there was, uh, I mean, one, one of the uh, interesting stories that came out of the development was the fact that uh, the, uh, the, you know, highly regarded and well-known, increasingly well-known Alan Tudyk was attached to the project. Uh, you will know him as Wash out of Firefly or the robot out of Rogue One or the baddie out of Wreck-It Ralph or, or many other things. Uh, he was going to be in it, but he departed at some stage uh, because he was not comfortable with some of the changes that were being made to the script. Uh, a quote comes from him. Uh, I liked it, dot, dot, dot. They, um, they fired... Um, lets out a massive sigh i left i quit so i didn't like it he said at the time Uh, and he's since said that he doesn't play uncharted he doesn't like playstation because the the controller buttons are shapes not letters uh and it sounds like it was all a bit uh acrimonious um don't so yeah we 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 try to avoid speculation on this show but obviously people have speculated that it may have been that he was uh involved with the vision for the project that amy hennig had and she left she went to ea to work on star wars stuff which is pretty amazing for star wars stuff and ea uh, and hopefully for her but obviously yeah something happened there Uh, And the other issue that uh, came out as something of a controversy is the fact that uh, actress Laura Bailey, who is white, uh, was the voice for the new character Nadine Ross, who is a black South African or at least mixed race, mixed heritage, Mm -hmm. uh, I would surmise. Uh, And this led to some backlash. Uh, Neil Druckmann cited websites like NeoGAF uh, in the complaints of racial underrepresentation in acting in general. Uh, which is yeah, which is probably the main issue here. Uh, Druckmann explained that the character, uh, when when created, didn't have a determined ethnicity, which which we know is quite common. Uh, listeners, if you may have heard my interview some months back with Raphael Corkhill, who actually worked on this very game and was up for the part of Rafe. Uh, his name is also Rafe because Rafe was to be a uh, a posh English. Uh, an upper class English voice <laughs> up until really? later in development. Yeah, it was a, it was a relatively late decision. So although the character had presumably been decided as Caucasian in that case, it's it says something about the fact that these things are not necessarily set in stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also um, it's also probably worth saying that Mel Dandridge, who is uh, an African American uh, mixed heritage actor, voices Evelyn and a nun in the game, who are both white. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, mm. So while obviously white actors don't necessarily have the uh, problem of uh, underrepresentation and lack of uh, opportunities, uh, from my point of view, 
I do. I completely understand the issues. Um, but I like I often find it amusing when I watch all kinds of, you know, films and dramas where you will literally have an American playing an English guy and an Englishman <laughs> right, playing yeah. an American guy. <laughs> and it's more about what they do. It's more about what they do with their voice and their character and their look in the case. And yeah. obviously not that's less relevant here. Then, so in a way, like part of me thinks, is it is it somewhat more prejudiced and problematic to make an issue out of the fact that it's uh, <laughs> like you, you're kind of being you're being discriminatory by even kind of acknowledging this, whereas actually it's part of part of acting is to have boys cast as women in in play, you know, in, in classic theatre, men, men play, play, playing opposite genders, playing different races, playing etc. And obviously I understand issues with whitewashing and blackface and all yeah. those things, but I don't really see this as the same thing. Personally, I, I think it's 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 very clumsy and tone deaf, um, but it's it's a difficult one. I, I, I obviously because the character's race wasn't decided upon um, uh, before kind of finalising the game. There's that whole issue of well, L- Laura Bailey could have been playing a white character all this time, and that just changed towards the end, but. Um, I, I think you know the, the issue I keep coming back to is like if this was the reverse, if it was a, a black actress playing a, a white character, there would be less of an issue just because of the whole. Well, they're, they're literally white, is that in the same game? Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's just it's the whole you know normalizing the white performer as the ideal, which is the issue with this whole thing. Because Nadine, Nadine as a character, I think is actually a success. I, I think Nadine Ross is a really uh, intimidating yeah. presence in this game and is is really successful. And I like that character. And I'm yeah, actually she's really somewhat nuanced. Yeah, for a and, yeah. and um, I like that she's coming back for the the spinoff and all that. It's yeah. just I, I feel I feel like you know there's that quote that it's okay to love something that's problematic as long as you just acknowledge <laughs> that it's a little yeah. bit problematic. Yeah, and yeah. that's kind of how I feel here. Is like yeah, I'm not I'm not going to pretend it's not an issue. It is an issue, but I still like the end result here. Nadine Ross is a good character. Um, I think it's performed, you know, performed admirably well in, yes, a, in yeah. an Afrikaans voice, and the point is that the you know that accent could just as easily be she you know it, yeah, you could literally exactly. have put a different character model in there a, a white I, Afrikaans <laughs> character, and and the performance would have been just as uh, just as excellent. You have to be very careful the way you talk about around this, but I don't think the game at any point is is setting out to try to make her. You know, they don't really talk about race at all within her character. No. Yes, no. she's black, and yes, she is a very strong black woman. It, it, it's it's not an, to be, to be clear, Tony. It's it's not really an issue of the game no, as presented okay, as okay, a but, text. It's it's mm-hmm. a, an issue of kind of industry practices. Yeah, hundred percent agree. And I don't think anybody can sit here and say, look, you know, they would rather it be this way around than the other way around. I, I don't think any none of us would sit here and say that. But I think you know, I, I played her in the game, and I had no idea that she was voiced the way that she was voiced. And I and I think that's part. The point is that. Yes, you can dig here, and yes, you can make this a big issue. And I think these issues need to be raised. And I think, you know, having a choice that maybe the right way to have done this was clearly to have a different actor. But she plays her 
admirably well and i think that she comes across as a strong female lead and i think that's all they were going for if they were going for trying to put her on a pedestal of trying to talk about uh you know racial issues then i think this would be a a, a much more larger issue but she's not she's just played as a strong female lead or strong female sub lead i i get what tony's saying but it's it's really hard for me to separate like and and to be clear tony you're 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 right there's no there's no malicious intent here and i'm oh, not God, accu- no, no. i'm not accusing uh naughty dog of that at all and they're not you know they're not trying to make a statement but like Mm-mm. the whole thing with art is you're making a statement whether you intended to or not <laughs> yeah. like politics will invade your game uh you know either consciously or subconsciously and this casting choice does send a message whether it was an intentional one or not and the fact is white actresses get a hell of a lot more work than black actresses just because the nature of the industry is that there are more white female characters written every day than there are black female characters written and from the perspective like if you're a black actress working in either film or tv or or video games it must be frustrating after struggling for years to get any work to hear that a character that you could have played was given to a white actress. So with that, let's move on to um, the gameplay. Yeah, uh, Uncharted 4 has gameplay. Uh, some would argue maybe it doesn't. They'd be wrong, of course it does. But uh, but I think uh, some of the... When I have um, you know in, engaged in uh, conversations about this on social media forums, whatever, uh, I would suggest that some people who did not get a lot out of Uncharted 4 uh, were those who felt that uh, maybe the the actual the structure of the game and the things that the game asks you to do within it were getting tired maybe um now let's start with the 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 getting around the place uh the 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 locomotion which uh, I already touched upon the 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 crazy insane platforming that that Nate does and uh, and his brother as well and in fact there are sequences in this game thanks to the power of uh, current gen technology where there are multiple characters clambering about the environment at the same time uh and you'll certainly see this in the multiplayer which we'll talk a little about later on uh so yeah, what I said earlier, really. So you can trace this particular sort of brand of 3D environment platforming back to probably Prince Persia Sands of Time, uh, 2003-ish, 2003-ish, uh, and Ubisoft. And uh, and at the time, it, it, it felt pretty new and exciting to be able to clamber around in, in those environments in that way. Obviously, you can trace things back further to Super Mario 64 and whatever, and there you've got something which is uh, perhaps... Uh, freer here you are you are kind of on rails as i said maybe glorified cutie is a little harsh but uh but it is ultimately there is a path that you follow uh and you hop from ledge to ledge and the ledges are fairly well picked out uh i think they've got a bit more subtle with that although i'd say it could still be like that, that would be one of my issues let's take that as the first thing like there is a path that you must always take. There is always a convenient path. Uh, I'd say in this game, more than its predecessors, there are sometimes optional. There are choices of ways around in certain places. You could go left, you could go right. Sometimes the other path will just take you to a treasure, but sometimes there are actually multiple ways through. My feeling is that because this is pretty much skill-free, 
except on the rare occasions or not rare but less less common occasions where a platform crumbles and you have to quickly jump off it so it's it's a timing issue hand-eye coordination and, and whatever i think the fact i think that they pick these paths out so kind of blatantly by uh by there being different textures or you know signs of wear and tear i think they could actually di- they could dial that down and actually make the the getting around more of a an environmental puzzle than it is whereas because it's so brightly lit it's so it's so golden arrow like that you can't really make that mistake and i understand that there's a balance to be struck between confusing the player and and i think there are fewer examples now than in the earlier games where you would just kind of take a leap of faith off into the void and then (laughs) die Uh, the the camera gives you loads of clues here uh and uh and and the graphics and and i think it is a difficult balance to strike but ultimately i enjoy it but it feels kind of consequenceless in a way Mm -hmm. i struggle with it in this one a little more because there are so so many well, not so many, I guess, but as you said, there are plenty of sequences where there are multiple paths. And for me, previously, like the, the obvious jumping around, the obvious handholds and all that kind of stuff didn't really bother me because Naughty Dog's trying to tell, always in their games, a very linear story, and they're trying to keep the pacing going. And for me, when you have still the same kind of handholds, but multiple ways you can go, there were plenty of sequences where, for me, it took... A little bit too long to get there where i was just getting bored with the jumping around like i I previously Mm. it didn't bother me because i i do all the jumping and it would look pretty and look nice and then i'd be at the next scene but this time it would just take just a little bit too much time for me to get to the next sequence and 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 having the multiple paths just doesn't make sense to me because ultimately you end up at the same spot every time so I don't I understand that they 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 probably took the linear complaints from the previous games to heart and like okay well maybe we'll try to open it up a little bit but for me it it damaged the pacing because it slows everything down just a little bit too much. Yeah, I I actually agree with that. Um, I think that the first half of the game kind of suffers from that a little more than the second half. I think once um, Sam and Drake reach, you know, Libertalia, um, or at mm-hmm. least the islands that Libertari, uh, Libertar, uh, Libertalia <laughs> is uh, located, um, the pace kind of picks up. They find a better balance between traversal puzzle combat, traversal puzzle combat. Mm-hmm. And um, the openness, there's a little bit of it with the boat and and stuff like that, but it starts to narrow its focus a lot more in the second half. Mm. Um, Whereas I think like the the bit with Madagascar where you're out on the open plains in a car, it kind of highlighted some of the issues of um, Uncharted's controls that really haven't been a problem for me up mm-hmm. until this game so like i i'm not of the opinion that uncharted's combat is poor i i actually enjoy the combat yeah. and and i and part of that is kind of sound design type stuff i think the guns and everything sound really good and um and punchy and yes it's not on a level with something like vanquish which just feels really really precise and fluid but I've I, I've never been uh, I've never been able to personally relate to the complaints of feeling it, it feeling really sloppy. I've always felt like I've I've been in control. But 
it the control scheme feels pretty much built for those linear corridors or yeah. very specifically designed arenas whereas the moment you open it up and you know the level like especially in that madagascar um level um the layout starts to look something more like um metal kiss solid five yeah and 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 the fidelity of control and what you can do comparatively between those two games is it's just a different world um you're so much more limited in in your options and what you can do and i think the (laughs) <laughs> the more and more like there's this kind of weird trend in the uncharted games where they try to make stealth more and more of a thing <laughs> as the yeah. series goes along yeah. and it's never it's never been a high po- you know it's never been a high point for the series mm-hmm. and uh, you know there's a version of this where they just really kind of double down on the set piece uh, sequences and action sequences and one of the reasons why i think Uncharted 2 is kind of um, ludically the most interesting of the entire series is that stretch where you you enter um, uh, uh, Nepal. You start at Nepal and then, you know, the train sequence, once the train sequence finished, that entire stretch is just a fantastic piece of pacing in game design because they do a great job of giving you plenty of big, you know, set pieces where the building is collapsing and, the mm-hmm. you know, the train sequence is kind of legendary at this point. But they also have plenty of, like, quiet time where you're just mm-hmm. solving a big puzzle. The puzzle's not too hard. It's just, you know a statue that you have to move around but you appreciate the kind of 10 or 15 minutes of quiet time where you're just chatting mm. with a character and then you know and and not having too much of the the combat like it, it felt like uncharted 2 knew just how much to have before you got tired and then and and unfortunately i think uncharted 2 eventually uh, loses that because the last third they really emphasize the combat and they kind of lose that pacing Where, and and i feel like uncharted 4 kind of suffers from that especially in the first half of not understanding the adequate amount of combat the player wants to be involved in there's mm. as scotland i think suffers from it the most um, um, it's just, you know, shootout after shootout after shootout. And I'm like, guys, can I please have a puzzle at some point during the <laughs> sequence? Can I just have a moment to take a breath? And yeah. um, that that's kind of the biggest well, issue, issue for me. As someone who actually dislikes the combat in Uncharted, I can probably... Yeah, talk about this in a slightly different way. So I think actually, um, I've got I've not got a problem with the the platforming in Uncharted games. You know, I I'm a fan of a certain game called I Am Alive. I know other people in the show Fair. aren't, but I think that's a way that you can look at. Um, you know, that that has similar bars. There's only so much you can do before you know you need to to make sure that you're on the ledge and stuff like. I think that's one end, and I think Uncharted falls on the other end, where it's just fun like i'm moving through the environment i think it actually slows down the pace a lot in uncharted 4 where they do a lot more with you can't you're not just jumping to every single ledge you're not always just tapping the x button across across you're actually having to move physically move your hand with a gamepad up to different like grab holes which slows down the pace a little bit which i appreciated it's not just hammer x and get as fast but although it does have that 
I think actually, and the grappling hook is is a, is a new thing. That's a cool thing. that's sliding down the banks as well. I think that's a lot. There's a lot yeah, of a sliding. Lot. They but use that a lot. So so to cover a couple of points that that Josh brought up, I actually I have got no problem with the with the way that the um, the exploring stuff works. I think the issue is the game is too long, and um, I think one of the great things about Uncharted Two it has a sense of pace to it and it doesn't outstay its welcome it has lots of cool little action scenes it has you know some of those slower parts some fast parts and it just feels about the right length this game is too long it's 15 hours and unfortunately because it's the fourth in the series i also feel like i've done pretty much every single one of the things they throw at me in the action sequence in this game there's only so many times you can fire over a box etc there's only so many times you can be chased by a vehicle we've seen it kind of all before <laughs> and, twice in this game <laughs> yeah and it feels like yeah. um, in some respects i love the story how they look back as kind of this retrospective adventures that you had and they kind sure. of give you little yeah. notes and clues and you know pieces of stuff in your house and quips and jokes about the things you know tutankhamun and stuff like that all that stuff is brilliant but actually it's it feels like um they're trying like the best of all those games like bring back the building falling down bring back the helicopter shooting at you bring back the, the vehicle chase um you know bring back the, the jumping from car to car it's, yeah it, it yeah. feels like i've i have played this game all before not to say that it's not great fun because it is now i think because it's 15 hours long um the narrative suffers a little bit there's a middle section there that it just feels like where are we going with this um I actually quite like Scotland, believe it or not. I think because I have, so I go to, I. I go to Scotland a lot, so I have context of a lot of that kind of scenery. I love the colour palette; it's so good in that it's so different from the other areas. But um, so I just think you know the combat for me, it has always felt slightly wishy-washy. It's just felt, it's not felt tight. Um, this one feels better, and actually, I'm completely opposite. I think the stealth in this has actually really improved my like of the combat in this because I always felt like the gunplay was never good enough for me to really use it as a great shooter so I actually found myself slowing down the pace kind of letting off noises let the people come to me break three or four necks move on to the next area in fact I found myself completely stealthing my way through whole sections yeah, of this game that is now an option which it never was before under yeah. the guise of I don't want to get into a combat section here because I'm not going to enjoy this. And actually, if you're, if, you know, we're talking about what's wrong with free. What's wrong with free is this. It's so combat heavy and it's so combat heavy in the way that it's, I'm going to walk into a room. There's 15 boxes in front of me. Let's have a firefight. <laughs> and it did yeah. that time and time again. And it wasn't fun yeah. where this is a lot better about having, you know, there's a lot more verticality in this of people shooting mm-hmm. you and going up and whatnot. So I, um, I, I, yeah. I, I appreciate that that it has both of those options and that both of those can be well i guess for tony and myself i I like the stealth too i think both can be fun like the stealth is is obviously improved and you get more awareness especially if you're not playing on crushing on crushing they take away all their awareness which is kind of annoying um so any of like those little triggers that you can see over the top of their head that you know red Mm. red or orange all that stuff's gone and crushing um (laughs) But I appreciate that that's there, and and that if you want to get into the gunfight, for me the gun f- the shooting is uh, totally a whole lot of fun, and especially if you take advantage of all the uh, the stuff around the combat arenas. So like if you do yeah. if you do like any time that you throw out the rope and then you fly towards a guy, jump off, land on him, punch him in the face, his gun flies up in the air and you catch it. It looks awesome every single time it's like the yeah. coolest thing in the world and it's not it's just a visual flashiness of of the shooting that uh, that appeals to me and i just i, I just have, like that 
both options are available. I have to say, one of the things that absolutely breaks the stealth, though, is having the AI player character around you, be it Sam, be it Elena, whoever. Oh, of course. And yeah, you're it's in the stealth last of us mode, thing all over again. And they're yeah. like, okay, he's on the corner here somewhere. Let me just pop up and down, run around in circles, <laughs> right in front of people. Yeah. No one's yeah. paying any attention. And it's they're doing backflips around you. And you're like, oh, my God, like this feels so broken in a way that it, you know, everybody should see this. And then occasionally they snap people's necks for you from nowhere. It's yeah, like, yeah. So yeah. It's, it's it's the Last of Us thing all over again because if if they if you were hiding and and they found you they found your AI partner you'd be just as furious you'd probably be even angrier because you can't control that character so it's it's a toss up it's something you got to just kind of I want to uh, just have a little word on the 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 action in the game um, it was interesting going back and playing the trilogy back to back because. I definitely do acknowledge that uh, I think, you know, some games have tighter feeling combat and certainly you can feel it as the series goes on. And remember, there was a whole issue with the third game trying to change things and then uh, and then they kind of patch back in a previous thing. There are definitely uh, issues with, um, you know, uh, bullet sponges and and uh, non non-committal headshots and things like that but i for me this game is is the closest to feeling like a a really cracking third person cover based shooter so far uh and playing through those three games despite you know even going back to the first one i do enjoy the combat set pieces like i i can't deny it like i don't think that um I don't think like they're masterpieces of game design or that uh, or that things couldn't be done better. But that's not to say that I I don't enjoy them. I I always have fun, even with you know the the kind of the cliches of them, the exploding barrels and the dropping of the grenades and and everything. And this one adds a lot of verticality and the swinging adds a lot. I think the the fact that you can tackle most of the combat scenarios. Uh, through stealth actually reminded me a lot of uh, Splinter Cell Conviction was it was that the one that was kind yeah, of an action East Splinter yeah. Cell fast pace yeah yeah and you can mark enemies and and I was having fun because I'm not really a, a keen stealth gamer by and large although you know I have my moments and some games make it more appealing than others but here what I was doing because I actually enjoyed the shooting and the shootouts was I was going around working my way around and kind of clearing out half a camp of Mm -hmm. with stealth before kind of going right then guys who's left and then and then turning it into uh into a shootout uh i also enjoyed the sequences where the environmental puzzles where where you have a a car that you're actually getting in and out of and driving and tying the winch around things and dragging it up hills uh it all added a little bit more you know uh a little bit more fun a little bit more texture uh i still have i think with that you know i've already talked about the impossibility of of the platforming and the, <laughs> mm-hmm. the lack of realism but it's it's not only that it's it, when you think about it it's it's ridiculous it's another thing that they have i think improved going back you know 10 years to the first game but sometimes the actual physics look goofy as hell when he's jumping from like backwards oh, from yeah. one ledge to yeah. another it it again it, it undermines the immersion because you're going well that is you know that's that's beyond uncanny valley that's just yeah. insane like that's impossible <laughs> um and when you've had all the again when you've had all these kind of heart to heart conversations uh with these beautifully animated faces you think but then when i'm just jumping from one ledge to another another you're doing something is it, you know you you would think it was daft if wiley e. coyote was doing it <laughs> uh i also have an issue like the, how many times nolan north 
must have had to say the line or variance thereof there must be another way around or, <laughs> yeah. or something like that it yeah. is just yeah. laughable by the end of the fourth game and the <laughs> and the convenient wheeled crates thing is oh, like, that's the worst. Yeah. it's yeah. just that the worst. Like, let me just really... find something the same crate i found 15 times <laughs> yeah. why is there I... even a crate there in the first place like there's just ruins <laughs> on wheels and then just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i understand that assets are at a premium i understand that actually when you look at it there are only certain puzzles there are only a certain number of puzzles that you can do with with the mechanics that you've got but please try to hide it a bit better (laughs) Uh, and i know that this sounds really like ungrateful in a game that is as as tony was just waxing lyrical about like it's got so many assets and the level of the level of, of visuals on display, both in technical terms and aesthetic terms, like I, even the people I've seen who were really co- cool on this game, including our Darren, uh, have nothing but kind things to say about about the the, the look of the game. Uh, we're going to hear about the photo mode in a bit, and and that's all great. But yes. Um, so yeah i guess it comes down to the fact that i kind of feel the same way about it like things have moved on compared to the previous games of the trilogy each one has iterated and perhaps you know smoothed things out compared to its predecessor but it's still to me like it's a fun experience but it's not one that i think this is like this is gameplay gold this is not this is not like you know bayonetta or something like that not not that it's the same genre but you know what i mean it's not the same level of kind of uh, I, I feel I feel like it's done a better job at hiding the the button presses though. Like let's say you know jumping through a yeah. building that's collapsing. I I felt like in previous ones it's felt very much like this is really scripted. You know, if I just stop here, I wonder if the building would continue to fall down or I could get through here. But actually, I feel like now, yeah, there there is. If you do just stop, you will die. And there is there's one or two times that I've gone maybe a right path and died because I should have gone a left path. Like it, yeah, it feels yeah. like there is actually in those in those you know action sequences that you know it is a bit more down to me as the player to make choices it's not just press x or press y sure i have to say though and and although i was pleased that they didn't go down the supernatural route in this one the the uh the replacing the supernatural enemies pretty much with exploding mummies was uh (laughs) kind of weak i thought the worst Uh, yeah that scene is terrible yeah non-stop it keep, it's, it's keeps annoying going. It's, a, it's exactly because it just it actually started to legitimately like hurt my ears I'm constantly hearing <laughs> the same explosion sound too like it never changes the sound so it's that same like like over and over and over again it's doing the classic video game thing of going haha maybe if we joke with the player kind of thing oh, about yeah, the, the fact that they're doing oh this over God. and over again it'll be yeah. funnier for them no that actually makes it more annoying you would, <laughs> yeah, think, you would yeah. think that research would have uh, feedback would have told developers <laughs> yeah, by now that doing crazy. that joke really very seldom goes down yeah. well yeah, acknowledging that it's annoying just lets me know that you know that it's annoying, and yeah, this exactly. wasn't a mistake. And you this. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, Slim from the forum says, "I know from past podcasts that some of the Kane and Rince crew are not fans of the combat, but I personally find it enjoyable. Even though it may not be the most tactically satisfying, it's a great example of the gameplay suiting the bombastic story. As for the Drake murders crowds of mercs thing, in the past I've personally taken the view that it's more a representation, like you are fighting the same group of guys several times as you go place to place. But in this game, I found I didn't need to make that excuse because you really had the option to avoid combat entirely a lot of the time." if you wanted to perhaps playing it on the hardest difficulty can highlight the flaws in the combat and takes away much of the enjoyment that can be had on the easy difficulty but that isn't the game is it 
that's just extra challenge for sadists like myself that want imaginary trophies. Uh, Treasure hunting, though, uh, this game has more collectibles than any other, which makes sense because it's bigger. Uh, 193 trinkets to pick up. The first game only had 61 and uh, the last two had 101. There are some strange relics. Uh, There's one from The Last of Us, one from Jack and Daxter, one from Crash Bandicoot. Uh, Now... Uh, Matten's wife from the forum says I missed out on a bunch of useless treasures which are scattered all over the game why should I care which brings me to a valid comparison to the last two Tomb Raider games when am I going to, when I am going to an optional cave I feel more satisfied if I get something useful completing it some kind of reward the Tomb Raider games even have a rewarding skill tree what am I supposed to do with these useless garbage treasures in the Uncharted <laughs> games I think Drake has a hoarding disorder what I will say is uh, to a point I I agree uh yeah however the treasure collecting while it doesn't unlock you anything in game uh well for the normal game shall we say it unlocks a load of modifiers to play around with afterwards including uh skins and different graphics filters and also Mm -hmm. the concept art uh which i know a lot of people will be like concept art gallery but at 1080p the concept art (laughs) gallery in this game is absolutely (laughs) stunning Uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed actually unlocking the concepts and looking through them because there's just some phenomenal skill uh, and artistry on display there Uh, whether it's worth me going back through and collecting all those little shiny treasures I don't know I discovered earlier that if you go in via the chapter select collect the treasures and then jump out you don't get to keep the treasures so you would have to it looks like you would have to actually finish the tre- uh, finish the chapter again so I say, mixed though, although the treasures don't interest me i i really like it you know, i actually quite like the, the pirate side of the story i think it's an interesting yeah little tale in oh, itself. I loved it. yeah um yeah. so I, it's I've based always... on a, a real fictional yes, story as it were yeah um i really like that whenever i come across uh you know like a, a stranded pirate whatever it may be in, in an area and then reading his note either be back to you know a wife or uh, somebody that's just going to come across and find his body and you know talking about you know being crossed or double crossed or you know just how things haven't worked out in his pirate life and i always i've always liked that stuff and it, it's uh, a lot of it is actually very, very well written actually towards the back end of the game it, it, it contains a hell of a lot more detail about what actually happened yeah, in the back half of that yard. story that you, you could just sure. entirely miss I wonder if that was all in there, the whole Libertalia thing, if that was, or, or Libertatia, or Libertatia, as it's uh, also referred to in the real world. Uh, I wonder if that was there from the beginning with Amy Hennig. Um, you know, that was the big, the big, because there's always got to be, you know, a big hidden you know, mythical legendary city. So perhaps that was where they started. And it was actually the character stuff that, that veered off from the original intent. Uh, yeah, so we've we've obviously brushed past them, but uh, I feel like uh, Tony's had a bit of a say. I've had a bit of a say, but uh, Josh and Sean, uh, graphics-wise, is there is there anything you'd like to add on on the subject of the prettiness or not? Perhaps you've got a contrary <laughs> view on the, the look of Uncharted Four. Uh, it could it could happen. I mean, I, I I totally agree with you guys that it's just a stunning looking game. I d- I do think that um, it's it's kind of funny it doesn't really annoy me but i can see how it annoys some people that it's very clear that naughty dog is very proud of the visuals that they put in there because there's about 16 different lines of someone going wow look at that view oh that's beautiful look at that it is oh man feast your eyes gentlemen yeah that's the thing like it doesn't bother me because yes it is a gorgeous looking game but it does come off maybe a little conceited i don't know but, it, uh, but, at, but at the same time it's still it, it is a 
remarkable looking game. Yeah. That takes me back to something I wanted to say earlier uh, about uh, you were saying about the 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 uh, Drake in, endangering relationships over treasure. But actually, to me, it was it it wasn't the treasure he's after. It's the, it's the experience, and mm-hmm, that includes mm-hmm. the sightseeing. And the reason that that mm-hmm. resonates with me as the player is because although we know you know it's a virtual world, uh, I am mm-hmm. still sitting there in front of my uh, PS4 Pro at 1080p, no HDR, and thinking this is absolutely gorgeous this is beautiful i am so happy to be spending time in this game world so you so it does resonate and uh and tony uh who has a ridiculously nice new tv (laughs) listeners uh will have been playing this at uh because they have patched it up uh to for for pro higher res and really really sharp so like you you go walking across near a a, say a a puddle or a a vista and you just you can see every single water droplet and detail in there and um the hdr is uh i mean essentially what that does it it makes the dark areas you know Mm -hmm. you know quite paralyzing dark versus the light areas which you know come across as really really bright and so you mix those two together and you have some absolutely stunning visuals and uh, yeah yeah there's there's no two ways about it it's it's just it's one of the best looking games i've ever played be it pc be it any kind of console game it's you know a phenomenal um piece of art and it's it's little stuff we've gone over a few but I, i remember just seeing you know the sweat drip off the characters yeah. and mm. run down the back and take dirt along with it and the dirt is mixed in wow. with the sweat itself as it goes down you're like gee like they didn't need to go that far i couldn't see that on my yeah, tiny like, 37 inch 1080p screen but you know? you know it's like you didn't need to go that far but they have and obviously they're very proud of it and and so they should be and you know i'm sure this tech if, if not used in another uncharted game will be used somewhere along the line tony you should flaunt your tv pin what 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 how many inches have you got 65 <laughs> no, it's a, 65 it's a six, inches it's of a 65 inch oled so it's um yeah it's very awesome. nice yeah still need to come around <laughs> <laughs> um from from my perspective i i think like it's very easy and uh, understandably so to put a lot of focus on the technical stuff because yes it's it's really really impressive but I think um, a, a good comparison, because they came out relatively um, soon after each other, is uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider, which is similarly technically really impressive. Pretty. But I, I, uh, but I found almost nowhere near as visually memorable. Yeah. Um, and it's because like Naughty Dog have a really, really great art team. And I think there is a focus not only on getting the technical stuff right, but stuff like architecture and um, um, just composition of landscapes. And, yeah, totally. And this is key for me, animation. <laughs> animation yeah. of the characters' faces is so good. Yep. And, and it's, you know, people quickly point out, oh, well, what about, you know, performance capture? Like, performance capture only does, like... I, I think people need to kind of, uh, you know, look a bit more behind the scenes and kind of research how much, you know, work goes into performance capture because animators actually do a lot of the heavy lifting. A lot of the stuff they capture is just reference. And the fact that these guys can take that reference material and really do something special with all of these characters' faces and tiny micro, you know, expressions, it's so impressive. And, it, and it's a big part 
part of why the the interactions between all the characters feel so relatable and lifelike something is like this i'm not the first person to point this out there was a big you know conversation about this on twitter close to release but elena's nose squishing when she kisses uh <laughs> nathan drake is such a small touch but it's yeah. it's a great one but they've also Very avoided human. uncanny valley um which I playing Horizon Zero Dawn recently, they 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 fall into that trap quite badly, and I think a lot of it is the actual eyes. You, they don't they look not dead, but they they look like they're you know being animated differently to the rest of the face. Eyes are the key. Yeah, and the uh, windows to the whatever sun. it may be with Uncharted, they they seem to have just got everything right, and um, at times it is like watching a film, and that's so easy to say, and I feel like I've been down that path before in in probably playing Uncharted for the first time, but I, I really feel yeah. like we're getting to the point now where it's less about kind of looking at that as performances oh look at how well they're animated and just being taken into the story because it, it's so well put together remember um, how chloe had really weird eyes when uncharted mm, 2 yeah. first launched though mm-hmm. so they're very glassy kind of yeah uh, one thing I'd forgotten, but when was reminded when researching this podcast, Naughty Dog in February t- uh, 2016 released a story trailer. Uh, there was a photograph somewhere in this trailer that uh, was a concept art mm. image for <laughs> Assassin's Creed 4, Black Flag, uh, which <laughs> yeah. was quickly spotted by a Ubisoft employee, uh, Azizia Aymar. Uh, the trailer was taken down and re-uploaded with a new frame. Uh, Naughty Dog <laughs> called it a regrettable mistake, but it's quite a just interesting insight that uh, when putting things together, they will use mm-hmm. placeholder assets, not only their own but other yeah. people's as well. <laughs> yeah. Although that's probably not anymore. And, and and oddly enough, that's two games in a row because The Last of Us also uh, had a had one sequence. There's like a subway sequence, and you can pass by a, a subway map, and uh, yeah. they, somebody who who had created the actual map online. Like, oh, yeah. contacted God. them and said, "Hey, that you guys straight up stole my map. Like, what's going on?" And then they, I don't know if they reimbursed him or whatever, but they did change it out and fix it. So they make it, they make it right. But it's a little weird that twice in a row that someone. It's just I'm sure it's just you know someone just rushing to put something in there, but. Yeah, you know, they need to be more careful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very briefly, I want to talk about photo mode. Our J, uh, one of the, the the key men of Kane and Rince, uh, has been photographing the heck out of Horizon uh, to mm-hmm. give that game another mention recently, uh, and loving it. He loves a good photo mode. Uh, he's very Mad jealous Max as well. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Mad Max. He's very jealous that you can. Uh, th- there, there are ways that you can uh, do photo mode in Witcher Three, but not on console. You can do it on PC. Uh, but anyway, this is from Thomas Quillfelt from the forum who says i really enjoyed the game although i effectively had two experiences playing an exciting highly polished action game and getting hooked by the game's photo mode which is essentially an expensive looking global sightseeing simulator <laughs> i spent 40 percent of my overall playtime taking o- taking over 1300 screenshots my holiday in a way, yeah <laughs> yeah in a way i wish they'd locked photo mode until completion although i appreciate them giving me the freedom to spoil my own game flow so uh so yeah a meta game or sub game i didn't play a huge amount of photo mode but i did do a lot of just the you know the screen capture on the playstation that has so it's i've got like if i just go into my screen capture thing it's it's like this passbook of yeah i went here and i stood on the cliffs of scotland then i stood on the cliffs of madagascar then i stood on the and it's um like each one is almost the same thing it's like i'm on a really high place look at the vista (laughs) with me smiling in the shop which is not really what the game is about but it, it made me laugh beautiful 
the multiplayer is something I don't think we talked a huge amount on the previous Uncharted podcasts. Uh, I have dabbled in each of the last three games multiplayer, probably most to a little bit of three and some of this one in the last week or so. I've always really enjoyed them, which to me suggests that the the shooting and the mechanics, the the the, the locomotion, etc., is more than adequately robust uh, they they have a they have a community which is partly because these games sell millions of units um but yeah i've i've played a few games of this and i've had a really good time swinging about shooting people they've added some new things obviously the rope is in there uh you've got these new mystic powers which uh may be a controversial addition i don't yeah. know yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> right uh so sean i think you've probably played the most yeah. multiplayer out of all of us uh, across the series so so what's the what's the takeaway from this new one um for me i know i've been probably the most down on this game uh on this on this podcast but this for me is the most disappointing part of the whole game um, that's a shame yeah i, I absolutely loved uh uncharted 2's multiplayer and i had a, I had a really good time with three there were some changes that I, I wasn't a fan of but still mostly enjoyed it and in this one first off they launched it like basically bare bones compared to the last two games so like all the okay. other the other two games had multiple modes um uh other than like this one just had launched with team deathmatch ranked team deathmatch plunder which is their kind of capture the flag basically yeah and maybe one other mode i can't remember okay. but it was like it's got four six modes. or eight now yeah, yeah. it's got, they, they've added more but even still that six or eight is less than two and three and they, and they didn't have and two and three also had a co-op mode, which was super fun. Like for me, like it was a totally like, that almost well, like fan they? fiction. Well, it's, this one's kind of more of a, uh, survival uh, horde mode. Yeah, yeah. Horde mode. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the, and two and three, they were kind of like uh fan fiction almost. It was like weird yeah. side stories that they, they, they kind of like, uh, whatever co-opted into the, into the, like a linear section of the game. And, basically like for it to launch with such a bare bones version of the multiplayer that i was so much looking forward to um i i honestly didn't play too much of it um i know that the uh the the mystical stuff it's cute and it and it looks fun and it can it can occasionally turn the tide here and there uh, of a competitive match but it, some of them were like I know a lot of the community was upset with a lot of them being basically overpowered. Like if you throw okay. one of that, that, that like um, the El Dorado one, which like yeah. it's, it, the tomb comes up and it shoots out all these like uh, souls yeah. or whatever that attacks people. It's a it's a neat looking thing and it's cool, but it can really wreck the opposite team. And it's I don't know. It, it, it's 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 it looks great, especially um, it's 60, 60 frames per second compared to the yeah at nine hundred frames per second. It looks right. really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a great looking uh, multiplayer, and and some of it just shootouts can be fun and sometimes the balance can work out really well to where you know it'll be within one or two points between each team but uh, i don't know it just just uh it it ended up being a a, for me personally a disappointment anyone else have a play uh i did have a go on it um i like um the horde mode equivalent in it in this i think um the the mechanics kind of play better as a co-op game than a competitive multiplayer game and and some of that supernatural stuff is more fun when mm-hmm. you're having to take down a ghost pirate that's summoning <laughs> other ghost yeah. soldiers and stuff that's fun um i wasn't a huge fan of the competitive multiplayer and mainly because of that 
supernatural stuff because I felt mm-hmm. it was kind of unbalanced and a bit awkward in a way that the previous two games weren't. I think like the high point for me in terms of Uncharted uh, multiplayer was free uh, because they did have a a great kind of slew of different modes and uh, and I loved that um, the competitive multiplayer. There's a real focus on the transforming. Um, uh, location, stages, like transforming yeah. map, mm-hmm. where you'd be kind of fighting in a traditional uh, map, and then suddenly you're all in cars, like racing yeah. behind an yeah. airplane, and that and that was thrilling. Whereas here, it's just kind of, it's fun, but I'm not going to choose it over you know the ten other great multiplayer games yeah. that are out yeah. at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, right. Uh, a couple more forum posts from Baker's Twelve who says, a mixed bag of a game for me. The visuals and voice acting are amazing, as always. Some of the cutscenes look like real actors. The Crash Bandicoot scene, a real standout. But the gameplay and set pieces are feeling a bit tired now, though I have played the first three games in quick succession. The story and villain are a bit meh. The biggest shame seems to be that Naughty Dog did not want to mix things up and stuck to a tiring formula. And Alex79UK. Having been a big fan of the series up to this point, Uncharted 4 was the game that prompted me into finally getting a PlayStation 4. I was really looking forward to playing it and the wait to finish work when I knew it had been delivered was excruciating. So this is where I say the game was a bit of a disappointment, right? Wrong. I loved it. The whole lot from start to finish. Yes, it was the same predictable firefights and yes, it had a simple story, but it was brilliant. The whole thing was like a love letter to fans of the series. I found the mood setting and penchant for stimulating the old nostalgia gland exceptional. These are characters we've known for years and the scene where Drake is messing about in his loft reminiscing about past adventures really was incredibly well done. And Crash Bandicoot on the PS1, another piece of perfectly worked fan service. I love the story, the look in Drake's eye when you just knew he wanted to go and do one last job. Flashbacks to growing up and getting into scrapes with his brother and the relationships between the characters were all expertly put together. One scene in particular where Nate and Sam were exploring that old house, the dust, the antiques, I could almost smell the must in the air. It took me right back to being a kid in my grand's attic searching through her treasure from when she was a kid growing up in Africa. The large open levels were both gorgeous and a joy to explore. The driving was great, the sneaking and shooting, the grappling and the grabbing, and that beautiful epilogue where their daughter discovers their stash and they have to come clean. There was nothing about this game I didn't love. And that's the kind of feedback that we love. (laughs) Even if we don't always feel the same way. Uh, I did actually want to just ask each of you how you felt about Crash Bandicoot being in there. So this is introduced as a... Uh, it's a it's a cute little scene between Elena uh, Elena and Nate about doing the washing up. Uh, she plays it. Uh, she plays on her PS One. Uh, the the thing that uh, blew me away most is the insane level of detail on the rendering of the their TV screen with yeah. <laughs> the marks on it and everything. Yeah. Uh, I bet that looks even more amazing on Tony's sixty five inch with HDR. Um, but uh, I had mixed feelings. One partly because I don't like Crash Bandicoot, and, <laughs> yeah. and I and I managed to fail to complete it on any of the. the, the it comes back again in the in the epilogue, yeah. uh, and also because. There is a question that it is breaking the fourth wall, isn't there? Um, uh, sure, and, yeah. and that can potentially. Uh, I, I think to me, it was a bit. It was a bit too clever, clever, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. kind of shattered the immersion a little. Because I was thinking, I know you made this game, uh, but also <laughs> right. it was really cute. So yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I think that's ultimately where I land too. It was. Just, it, was a, it was a nice little moment. It's. It's a bit 
heartbreaking. And I do like that technically, or not technically, they, they call back to it later on, like towards the end of the game when you're running mm-hmm. away from the truck. It's very clearly the same kind of situation where you're running towards the camera. Oh, and totally. All that. But it's you a can, tutorial, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah when it first much, appears. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's, it's a, a win a win for um, you know couples sitting on the sofa playing games together. I, I thought <laughs> yeah, it was already yeah, a um, cool scene just to be put in there. Like yeah. it. To me, it didn't fill out of place, but I'm sure for other people, it'd be like, oh, this, okay, fair enough. I suppose you could do that. But it was, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's things I've done with my wife. It's, it's, it was yeah. good just to see like an everyday scenario where, yeah, you use a game to, to, you know, make a, a decision within your marriage. I've done that. He's <laughs> <laughs> doing the I, whole. Uh, I don't really know why people like these games, kind of thing. Isn't <laughs> yeah, well, that was a bit. <laughs> yeah. I think I I agree with everything you guys said, but my one additional point is I know Crash Bandicoot isn't that great, but there are better levels of Crash Bandicoot <laughs> than this one. I wish and I, and yeah, to your point, like it's kind of you know a tutorial for a later level, but I do remember some levels of Crash Bandicoot being mm. fun, and that's just really <laughs> horrible and awkward. And maybe that was the point. But, it's the emulation. Yeah. It's, it's it's no good. <laughs> Yeah. We did have this conversation. Did, the emulation yeah. is is possibly not uh, absolutely spot on. I haven't played enough of the original to to know for sure, and I've only ever played the PAL version. Uh, it's we been may a long one time. day we may one day cover it on Kaderinz. There's a trilogy, and there's a there's a there's a well, there's more a than a trilogy, and coming. there's and there's an HD remix coming. Mm. In. Yeah, no. so who knows? Someday, uh, but no. Uh, <laughs> A friend of mine used to have a very rude and non-politically correct name for for Crash Bandicoot that I won't share on this podcast. (laughs) Now, uh, three word reviews from Twitter. Follow us at Kane and Rince. Okay, so Indiana747 says pretty but dull. Quasimod says ludonarrative dissonance, though. Eric Jones says, damn, no train. Sam Worm says Drake meets Goonies. Nathan Druitt says, meaningful technical wizardry. Andreas Lennartson says, one last time. Mr. Turch says, a nice finish. Test Tube 27 says, those epilogue feels. Lovely. All right. Well, uh, I didn't know before we started recording which order I'd try to put this in. As I always say, I normally try to go from least positive to most positive. I don't think mm. there's going to be tons and tons between us. But, uh, but Sean, you said it yourself. You can go first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it honestly shocks me that um, not because of your guys' opinions, but just that I, I'm shocked at myself, honestly, that, that this is my, as I said at the beginning of this show, this is my favorite series uh from the last generation and and for me to come down on this one so hard like it just it kills me in a way like uh you know it's it's a game that i i don't know if this will sound dumb or not but it's 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 like i i respect this game more than i enjoy it like i appreciate the craft that went into literally everything like the visuals the writing the gameplay um the set pieces like all of that is top notch and that's great <laughs> um but just I, I don't know i just wish that i had a smile on my face for longer than like five minutes out of each hour um and that's the way i played the old games i was just always having a great time and and again like i said before like i realized that that's all you know uh that's all on purpose and 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 that was the intent but um i don't know i just kind of wish that i had a more uh uplifting time 
uh, with my last adventure with Nathan Drake. And, you know, that's that's okay. Um, there are plenty of other games that will give me that same feeling too. But, you know, it's, it's, it's still a very good game. And I would, you know, recommend anybody can play it. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, I can't, I can't look at this any other way than just a slight disappointment. I would say uh, play it again, but you're already nearly all the way through yeah. on Crushing, <laughs> so forget that. Yeah. <laughs> Tony, how about you? It's all right, Sean. I know that feeling. Yeah, Halo 5 <laughs> crushed my heart drastically <laughs> last year. But, oh, no. But, uh, and I was to be a bit more harsh than you would be now on Uncharted 4. But, um, okay, so I feel like um, I'm, I'm surprised, actually, how much I, I ended up enjoying Uncharted 4. And I think that's really weird in the, in the way that I say that because I, I have really enjoyed the series um, as a whole. So why I was a bit apprehensive jumping into Uncharted 4, I'm not too sure. Um, and I feel like it's the game that I wanted right now in my life. I'm more mature. I'm older than... Like, I feel like when I played Uncharted 2, that was probably about the right time. I, was, I wanted that mm. roller coaster ride. Um, mm. Uncharted 4 now speaks to me as, you know... The thirty six going on thirty seven year old with uh, you know marital <laughs> yeah, relationships and children and and stuff like that and it and it's actually the game I think I've always wanted from Uncharted um, without realizing so um, I think it's overly long it doesn't need to be fifteen hours and I think there's a there's a tighter better framed game in Uncharted four but that that doesn't take away the fact that I think it's an interesting story that has a number of little issues for sure, but I think it's an interesting story. It's a more grown-up story, and I think the both the combat um, feels tighter than it's ever felt in the series, and I think the set pieces feel more grand and more fun to play than it's ever been in, in the series. And I, and I just feel it's a, yeah, a more grown-up Uncharted game that I was looking for. Um, so I, I actually walked away from it and I, and I think I need a little bit of time to sit on it, but I, I feel like it's the one that if I was to sit down and play another Uncharted game, and if it's going to stick at just these four titles, I think I'd probably pick now four over the others because I feel like this one speaks to me more now as a person. Um, and yeah, that's that's high praise indeed. Like I say, I, 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 in 2009, I gave Uncharted to my my game of that year so um you know i i really really enjoyed my time with uncharted 4 um but i do listen to the complaints that other people have with some of the issues of the story and such and i do take that on board but i you know i i finished it this week and went wow i'm so glad i actually found the time to to sit down and put 15 hours into this game so yeah big thumbs up from me yeah, I feel like I may repeat myself somewhat i haven't listened back to our previous uncharted podcasts since just after we did them uh, which is probably about five years ago now and uh, and I kind of said similar things at the start of this podcast as well I feel like I don't uh, sort of evaluate the Uncharted games in the same way that I might certain other kinds of games in a sense in that I don't scrutinize the sort of minutiae of the gameplay in the same way because I kind of I don't know. I go into them like I go into like you know Marvel superhero movies and that sort of thing. That I, I I'm fairly I, I'm fairly confident that I will be to some degree entertained. I, it's not that I'm blind to the fact that they have you know uh, stronger bits and weaker bits and and sometimes they're you know uh, more engaging than others. But uh, it's 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 that it's the fun thing. They're just, I just find these really good fun and after. 
uh, after playing through the the old uh, trilogy before going into this as a kind of refresher, and because I hadn't got around to completing them on the uh, on the remaster versions, uh, it did make me realise that after I think I only came to the first game a couple of years after it originally came out. Uh, bef- yeah, it must have been 2009 before Uncharted 2 came out. But I've had enough time with these characters, especially Elena and Sully, to have a lot of affection for them. Mm. Uh, and so uh, by the time I got to the end, even if I have you know, slight issues with, with Nate, some of the, the stuff that's been widely addressed, but also some of the things I was talking about, about him being you know, this godlike figure, uh, Elena and Sully are the heart of the series for me. Um, and so as much as anything else, I was just happy to have another, have many hours in, in the company of them. You know, criticism of the story are... Uh, almost certainly valid and you know different people will take different things away from it but like tony i ended up having a great time uh and i was every time i entered a combat arena i was never thinking oh god it's another one of these i wasn't i, just, I can't i can't pretend that i was i i like shooting red barrels and watching uh, enemy <laughs> mercs fly up in the air i like swinging from things and grabbing onto ledges and throwing people off and picking up their guns and blowing them up with grenades and all that action movie stuff uh, especially when it's all set in such a beautifully realized virtual world as this i know it's quite common uh, now for those of us who remember like pong and space invaders when they were contemporary to go well you know you probably don't appreciate graphics like we do because we were there when it was just blocky pixels but you probably don't appreciate graphics like we do (laughs) because we were there when it was just blocky pixels but while everyone might say uncharted 4 you know looks gorgeous and lovely to me it's kind of just being in a world that looks like that is a pleasure in itself Uh, And the fact that you actually get to do fun, heroic Indiana Jones style stuff in it as well is like a massive bonus. Uh, And you get told a decent story as well. So, yeah, it's it's excellent for me. Um, I I perhaps wouldn't, you know, be in the 9.7 percent, 97 percent camp of the IMDb listeners, but I would absolutely recommend having this as part of your your gameplay experience and collection. Let's conclude with Mr. Josh. <laughs> yeah, um so Uncharted 4. Um I have a bit of a weird arc with this game because initially I wasn't that impressed with it. Um like I said at the beginning, uh I kind of put the pause button on it um around about, you know, after Scotland and towards the start of the Madagascar uh, section. And when, you know, this was picked for a you know, potential cane and rinse issue, I was kinda like, Yeah, I'm I'm happy to be on that issue. I'll I'll finish Uncharted Four for the show and and probably kind of have middling to positive uh, opinions on it. Um little did I know that I, I was gonna end up kind of really falling in love with what they do with the game narratively in the second half of the game with Elena and Nathan Drake. Um, I think if that there's one thing in this whole series that I'll, I'll take away uh, from it and, and it, it being kind of the big highlight for me is Elena Fisher. It's not Nathan Drake. <laughs> uh, Nathan Drake's a fun Nathan Fillion, you know, like character, but Elena Fisher is kind of, the the character i associate with this series more than nathan drake because she's such a breath of fresh air compared to so many other 
female supporting characters. She's allowed to be funny in a way that female characters hardly ever get to be, um, and but dramatic as well. And she's competent without having to fit into the stereotypical, you know, lady badass. Um, and she has energy and charisma beyond that kind of archetype. Um, I love Elena Fisher, and every scene she's in in this game is a success in in my eyes. And I think Emily Rose um, doesn't get enough attention for just how good she is in this role. It's just fantastic, um, and especially in this game. And the the epilogue really caught me off guard. I I did, and I'm. You know, I feel like I'm at a point in my life where saying <laughs> I teared up at a sequence in a game shouldn't be something I'm slightly ashamed of, but I still feel that social pressure. But yeah, I I I teared up at You're the end of this game because yeah, I teared <laughs> up at the end of this game because the 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 importance and weight of I I was really caught off guard by the weight and importance of Nate and Elena's relationship. I I I feel like. I'm really sold on them as a couple, and I think the chemistry between Emily Rose and, and Nolan North is believable and authentic in a way that I, which I have seen elsewhere, but it's rare. I don't think Uncharted 4 is as perfectly formed as something like uh, Uncharted 2. Um, I think as a piece of action schlock, Uncharted 2 is more successful. I don't think uh, Uncharted 4 is as successfully um, put together as a piece of drama as The Last of Us. I think The Last of Us is kind of... If if you're going for that kind of HBO miniseries tone that um, they're going for, that's as as successful uh, an attempt at that as I've seen. But as something that kind of exists between the two... I think it's really successful and I you know the things it gets wrong are numerous but the things it gets right um kind of key into things that I care about that it's easy for me to forgive those blemishes. Beautiful. Well said everybody. I also got a little emotional at the end and it did uh, it did take me by surprise too because uh, I I didn't know what they were going for and I didn't know how it was going to end and and apart from anything else that's that's how you know storytelling Well I think works. it's time we had the chat. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody. It just remains for me, Leon, to thank Josh, Sean and Tony as well as our correspondents and of course to all of you for listening. And to tell you that next time in issue 265, five years on and going strong, we delve into the loot-laden dungeons of Diablo 3.